This podcast features adults using adult language, but you know, you got to grow up sometime. Hey everyone, you know what it's time for? Swans Crossing! did actually and doggone it rosie our roomba has just started again give me a second (laughs) good morning rosie so last night i had some friends over and my wife had bought us a bottle of um their the holiday spirit blend from some sun liquor distillery in seattle yeah and it is apparently supposed to go very well with eggnog it is a blend of like rum and brandy and whiskey and we were like, okay, let's try this. And the first attempt was lackluster. It was just like this and this stuff in the eggnog. And then my friends and I were like, well, I bet we can do better. And we ended up with the recipe that I sent you, which includes fireball whiskey and this blend that I got from Courtney and allspice dram and like fresh grated nutmeg. Ended up being a truly phenomenal eggnog cocktail and also i'm very tired and a little bit hungover (laughs) (laughs) nice (laughs) yeah uh how are you how are things good 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 i'm just i'm trying to uh find paul's christmas present he he wants an argus c3 rangefinder camera like the old school like 1960s he's really into like vintage photography Okay, um, and I'm trying to find one that works and also that can be shipped to Canada by Christmas. <laughs> yeah, good luck with that. Yeah, yeah, it's a tall order. Um, I'm thinking I might have to uh, wrap up a box that has a picture of the camera in it and be like, it will be here soon. <laughs> <laughs> so. Yeah, that's always that's always rough because you hate you hate to do that, but sometimes it's just necessary yeah yeah and we don't you know we don't take like gift giving super seriously we don't get all bent out of shape about it and stuff so i think he'll be okay with that but (laughs) yeah like who gets out of who gets bent out of shape about gift giving gift giving is the best and and also like just be nice to each other like you're getting a gift yeah i agree i have that philosophy as well but like um in the past i have had uh family members shall we say who are no longer family members due to divorce and all of us are happy about that but uh there was one particular person who you know if if they didn't receive exactly the right gift at exactly the right moment they would make your life a living hell <laughs> so what the hell? yeah there was a lot of drama involved with that person and no one was sad to see them exit the family <laughs> Speaking of exiting families, that is what Garrett Booth is about to do. <laughs> <laughs> uh, every once in a while, Libby, I'm like, how is she going to bring it home? How is she going to do it? I don't know. And yet you always, you always come through. I managed to pull it out. Yeah. Uh, in episode 63 of Swan's Crossing, which we will discuss today on Gotta Grow Up Sometime, a Swan's Crossing retrospective. I'm Libby Grant. I'm Nathan Kessler-Jeffrey, and I just woke up. These are my sonorous tones in the morning. 
smooth like butter. This oh, yeah. here two two episodes before the end of this podcast, we're finally nailing it. <laughs> yep. yep. Uh, well, this episode is going to air after after the holidays, after we record it. So um, I hope everybody out there listening had a good holiday and had a fun time. Libby, I hope you had a great holiday in the future. I hope future Libby had a great holiday. Thank you. I hope future Nathan had a great holiday as well. We are planning on it. All right. I want to know what I thought was going to happen. Here it comes. You predicted the beginnings of Garrett's plan to help his dad by using the birth certificate to upset Muffy's campaign would be unveiled. I would say that is correct. Okay. All right. You predicted there would be exploration of the Walker estate and maybe the kids would find the snake pit. Um, There was exploration of the Walker estate. No one has found the snake pit. I would say there was more exploration that happened between the characters than there was in the Walker estate, but let's continue. There was definitely something going on there. (laughs) Sydney Sydney would continue to obsess over what's going on with Muffy in the keepsake box and would keep looking for it. Maybe she would find it. No, that did not happen. Nope. Sandy would confront Owen and would tell him that she wants her own video or at least would want to be the star of the video. That was correct. I did it. You predicted this would be another JT and Neil light episode. Well, there was no Neil. There was a lot of JT, though. I wouldn't say there was a lot of JT. There was a little J. Oh, no, there was a lot of JT. Never mind. There was definitely some significant JT. We'll get into it. (laughs) And you predicted that Beric is not back yet, but they might run into Pegasus at the Walker Estate. They would definitely run into a Baldi. Maybe the Baldi would come to make a report to Pegasus at the Walker Estate, and the kids would observe the meeting from hiding Sadly, that did not happen. I wish. None of that happened. All right. Okay. Tell me about that thumbnail. So in the thumbnail on the newly re-URL'd ShoutFactoryTV.com, because I went to ShoutFactory.tv yesterday and was unable to access the website. Boo. Boo. Garrett, this thumbnail, Garrett is leaning back against the counter of the soda shop with a smirk on his face, looking at, I presume, to Sydney. We can't see her face. Because this blue banded collar shirt and blue hoodie, almost the exact same shade of blue. He's looking smarmy as hell. There is someone behind him and someone behind Sydney, meaning that in this shot, there there are four actors in the shot and we only see one face. <laughs> Which is good. It's objectively good. We open on Owen doing the finger frames thing again, right over Sandy's face. She's trying to get him to focus so she can talk to him about the whole video debacle. They're in the studio. She's confronting him about making with the video with Mila instead of her. And my favorite thing in this scene is Owen says, oh, so that's the problem. Yeah, Owen. <laughs> Duh. Owen. <laughs> Finally, Owen says, as they have this conversation, that he thinks their rock group should be a trio instead of a duo. So it should be him, Sandy, and Mila. And Sandy says, with Mila, three's a crowd. And then Owen turns back, his shades still on indoors, and says, does this mean you don't want to sing with me? And it's very unclear as to whether this is a good or a bad thing for Owen. It is said so neutrally that you're like, does he want out of this? Does he, is he heartbroken that Mila doesn't want to sing with him? You don't know. And we cut, we cut away. <laughs> it's great. 
We uh, cut into the fran- into the frenetic chaos of the wall of TVs inside Swan's Cafe. Well, I don't know what's going on. It's insane on those TV screens. Yeah, it looks like some kind of music video. The The music is pretty intense. The camera tilts down to see Mila engrossed in her reading with a pink soda sitting next to her. Everything is pink about Mila. <laughs> Absolutely. And uh, Glory comes in with JT, gets Mila's attention, which seems to take a while, and wants to let know that Mila Mila should know that Garrett's running late. He's running errands for Mr. Booth. It seems like Mila was kind of expecting this because she's like, he's doing anything to stay in Swan's Crossing. JT gets momentarily excited at the thought that Garrett might go away because that means the quarterback position might open up. But Glory points out that Garrett usually gets his way, so don't count him out yet. Yeah, and also, this quarterback thing is dropped almost instantly. (laughs) It's great. JT asks Mila what she's reading. It's a collection of Shakespeare's sonnets, apparently. And JT says he thought he was the only one around here who reads poetry. He starts quoting some Shakespeare, and you see the seeds of the attraction in this scene uh, that is the setup for season two, as Glory starts to get confused about the way that JT is asking. And he he asks Mila how she got into poetry, and she asks him if he writes. He says he does, and she mentions uh, someone close to her, quote-unquote, <laughs> writes poetry too. And JT goes, how do you like this, Glory? And all the subtext from Glory as she scowls and says, it's unbelievable. <laughs> I know, I love what Glory's doing in this scene. <laughs> Oh, God. She has very few lines, but she's doing some great acting where she ranges from, like, disgust to absolute horror as they're having these conversations about poetry. Yeah, and and JT and Mila are quite getting their flirt on. Oh, definitely, for sure. JT's got no chill. He will just flirt with anyone in front of anyone. He really needs to take a step back, buddy. We cut to the Walker estate. Callie, Saja, and Jimmy are sitting on the ground in their on their sleeping bags but they hear something so they all jump to their feet and then they just start bickering about the estate it's really unclear as to why they all just jump to their feet frankly because they don't talk about that well it's also really unclear as to why they have their sleeping bags there in the first place like you would be reasonable to assume that they're going to camp out here later on we find out no one ever planned on staying overnight at the estate so why all the sleeping equipment? What is this? I did not pick up on that. So um, I, I left this episode thinking that they would still be sleeping at the Walker Estate. Oh, we'll we'll get into it later. Yeah, it's subtle, but it's there. So, um, so they're talking about whether the estate is truly abandoned or whether someone might be lurking about. And Saja says he thinks Barrett comes here to meet with Captain Baldy. I mean, he doesn't call him Captain Baldy. He calls him like the guy who looks like a docking post or whatever. Jimmy points out that it's isolated enough for people to meet in private here, and then he and Saja used to come hunting wooblies. Yeah, Jimmy and Saja start just, like, reminiscing about this thing called wooby hunting, which apparently Neil invented and all the boys used to do at the Walker Estate. This is starting to sound like one of those weird homoerotic games boys sometimes play, like Grab Ass or Ookie Cookie. <laughs> yeah, essentially what it sounds like is they would go searching around the estate and and look for opportunities to scare each other. Yeah, that's exactly. what it seems like what was happening. Yeah, so the boys continued to talk about how spooky the estate is. A truly weird sequence of shots plays over the dialogue. 
something withdraws through a pile of dead leaves. I thought it was a snake's head at first, but then we get this shot of a folded up pocket knife sliding down an inclined plane. I had no idea what was going on. I was so lost. And then the, like the, one of the snakes starts slithering over it. Yeah. Snake crawling over a pocket knife while the kids are just like talking about all the weird shit that happens at the estate. Yeah. Jimmy runs off into the darkness while another snake crawls through a bush. It's weird. I don't know what's happening. Very unclear why Jimmy goes running off. Callie seems a little freaked out about it. Yeah. And then Saja says everything's safe because they haven't seen anything suspicious yet. And just as he says that, a full-on ninja lurks in the shrubbery behind him and Callie, peering through the foliage with his keen ninja eyes. And we cut to commercial. Weird. That sequence is absolutely insane. Why is there an actual ninja in Swan's Crossing? I mean, I know after the Satanist snake pit, I shouldn't be questioning the presence of a mere ninja, but like, it's just weird. <laughs> it is. It is. I, my assumption was that the person lurking in the bushes was Pegasus, who has been wrapped up completely, like, except for isolates every time we've seen Pegasus. Yeah. So, We'll find out. We will find out who is lurking in the bushes in a future episode, but it's just, it's a choice. In one of the two remaining episodes, we're going to find out who's lurking in the bushes. In a future episode, Libby makes it sound like we're going to be doing this a lot longer than we actually are. So we come back from commercial to a short theme song. Garrett and Sydney run into each other outside the soda shop. Sydney has a new Muffy campaign poster that reads... A perfect record without losing records. She pastes it right over the Grant Booth poster on the side of the door. It's so funny. I, I Why? Okay. <laughs> I have so many thoughts about the lost records and what a scandal this continues to be in Swan's Crossing. Like, everyone's already in agreement that they were lost because some random dude put them somewhere. And the worst Grant Booth can can pin on Muffy is that she hired the guy who misplaced the records. Like, who cares? I know records are lost and that sucks, but like, surely somebody can come up in, in, in a city full of wealthy assholes. Someone can come up with a better scandal than you lost a box of records, you know? Oh, definitely. Like, definitely. someone's having an affair. Someone's bribing someone else. Somebody is going to Jeffrey Epstein's private island. Like, come on. But here's here's the here's the truth, Libby. As you and I know from living in a sw- small town and being on our small town's rant and rave page, oh God, there's always one person who's not gonna let it go. That's true. <laughs> there's there's always gonna be one person who keeps poking the the thing, whatever the thing is. Whether whether it matters or not. But like we had we had a legitimate awesome scandal. I mean, not awesome, but nobody as far as we know got harmed, but it was a legit scandal where the sheriff was like using the the video equipment inside a courtroom to illegally zoom in on documents that were like in the midst of <laughs> like that was the scandal we had in our town. That's a real scandal. And the sheriff did lose re-election, didn't he? Please tell me Krebs lost re-election. Yep. He did. He did re- Yay! <laughs> That was a real scandal. This is no scandal at all, folks. Yeah, this is absolutely nothing. There's nothing here. Anyway, um, glad to hear Krebs is out, though. <laughs> anyway, Sydney asks if Garrett is 
too focused. Here's the thing. You moved away so you can talk about what happened in the sheriff's election. I'm still here and I'm just going to keep my mouth shut. Stay completely neutral. One way or the other. I agree. Totally neutral. It was a well-run campaign on both sides. Yes, it was. Sydney says that if Garrett's too focused on the campaign now to write poetry, then he doesn't need her anymore to get more of JT's poems, so she's free. But as she tries to exit, Garrett grabs her arm and says he does need her to call Billy Gunn. Dun, dun, dun. And I literally texted you at the moment that I saw this, and I was like, oh no, <laughs> is he coming back? <laughs> We cut back over to Mila uh, reading Shakespeare from the sonnet book. She seems to be trading off with JT as Glory sits there bored and borderline annoyed. And as he starts to like talk about seeing new things and poems when he reads them and Mila's getting all excited, Glory jumps in with, didn't you want a soda? Also in this shot, which I love so much, it's kind of shot from like, the, the perspective of where an employee would stand, like behind the counter. So we're looking across the counter at the, at the customers. And you can see this in the foreground, this glass case, which contains the following items. Two hoagie sandwiches sitting directly on the shelf, not on a plate or on a napkin or anything, just on a shelf in a glass case. <laughs> and also a pie tin that's just piled with wedges of pie. Like instead of pie being in an actual pie formation they're heaped atop each other in a pile in a pie plate who did this you know what this is this is the props department looking for places on set to store the things that they need every once in a while to do the show thinking it would never be shot no one would ever be stupid enough to point a camera behind the counter oh my god you're totally right i bet that's what it is (laughs) Elijah's pancakes are on the next shelf down. You just can't see them. (laughs) Elijah's pancakes are back. As they go over to get a table, JT will not be deterred. And Mila says she doesn't usually read Shakespeare because she likes to read pieces by living poets because, quote, I like to think that when a poem touches me, one day I can touch the poet. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) So, of course, that's going to make JT horny because he's a teenage boy. Hell yeah. He wants to be touched. (laughs) And fortunately, he gets his wish because Glory smushes bodily right in between them, (laughs) grabs one of each of their arms, and goes, how about that soda? (laughs) Poor Glory. (laughs) Mila kind of says, oh, well, maybe someday I can read some of your poetry, JT. And Glory, like, jumps between them and says, no, you can't, because JT's really shy about who reads his poetry. Mila goes, I get it. Poetry is really private. It shows your real soul. They head over to a table as Garrett and Sydney walk in. Garrett stating that he would sell his soul to stay in Swan's Crossing with Mila. At which point I wrote, Garrett, oh bud, you don't have a soul. He also says, like, he he says something along the lines of that he views Mila as a good business connection. And he calls her promotable. So weird. What is happening? Well, so... Here's what I took away from this scene. Garrett believes that his dad wants him to be successful in business. And if he can appear to be a successful business person, his dad won't make him go to France. And the only way that he knows to be a successful business person is to become like Mila's manager slash agent. Ah, okay. That makes more sense. Which leads him to the next scene. And it also explains why Garrett wants Sydney to call Billy. It's to get to Bobby Clark, the record producer, 
He wants to surprise Mila by Uncle Bobby coming to the concert where Mila's going to be singing on stage so that Uncle Bobby gets really excited and does some sort of like record deal or whatever. Yeah, but like, here's the problem. No one is going to be impressed by Mila's singing. Like, that's, we're working from a flawed premise here because for all her many talents, Mila is not a singer. Uh, it it I will say that it took me a while to parse what was happening in this conversation. And one of my notes says everything about this conversation makes zero sense. Yeah, especially especially the last part where Garrett says he just wants to make Mila happy. And Sydney says, yeah, right. You have the soul of a three dollar bill. And Garrett says, maybe we came out of the same wallet. I don't know what any of this means. <laughs> That's not things that people say. We cut over to Sandy and Owen in the studio. Owen is explaining his vision for the video as they watch. They are literally watching the tape of the Baldy listening to JT and Neil at the mailbox. Yeah, it's so, I don't, yeah. How, how does this work as music video footage? It's an adult creeping onto teenage boys as they stand around him. Like, nothing about this is going to be on MTV. How is it never mentioned? That's what I don't understand. How is Owen, do Owen and Sandy stand in the same room as this video footage playing on the TV and not go, hey, that's weird. Why is that bald dude crouching in the bushes listening to JT and Neil? Yeah, the most it ever gets is that Sandy's like, I don't want to sing in front of this guy, whoever he is. It's like, are you not curious about the stranger no one has ever seen before lurking in the bushes, spying on your friends? Clearly lurking. Dude is crouched down. This is an obvious lurk. An obvious lurk is a great title for this episode. It is, actually. That's pretty good. Anyway, Sandy's not impressed because it sounds very stupid, and she's right. And we cut to the Walker estate where Jimmy's screwing around with what looks like a giant stone head but he's lifting it with these, so maybe it's wood. Yeah, he he comes kind of back. So Jimmy comes kind of back into the clearing with this head held in his hands, saying, "Abandon hope, ye who enter here, for this is the domain of the docking post man." Seems to, in fact, spook Saja, and that delights Jimmy. And Saja notes that Jimmy and Callie seem to have the same warped sense of humor. And Callie coins the phrase giggling gearheads, which is truly delightful and might also be a great title for this episode. Saja comes down on Jimmy and Callie for being too loud, even though Saja was yelling in the previous episode and in a previous scene. They're here on a stakeout. And what's the point if they're loud enough for everyone to know that they're here? Jimmy suspects Saja's getting angry. <laughs> so he offers to cut up an apple. And uh, Saja heads to look for his pocket knife, at which point he notices that the knife is missing. We get a shot of the snake still slithering over it. And at this point, I was asking myself, did it fall down in the snake pit? Is that where the knife went? Maybe. I didn't even notice it fall out of Saja's pocket. I only saw it, like, fall through a pile of leaves. <laughs> no, no, no. It was yanked. It was very obviously yanked through a pile of leaves. Okay, so a mysterious hand, or possibly a snake, yanked it through right? a pile of leaves, and then it slid maybe into the snake pit. We don't know where this knife is now. It's Schrodinger's knife. It both exists and does not exist in and out of the snake pit until it is observed. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
we get one more shot of the snake crawling over the knife and then we cut to commercial we come back to the crowded soda shop mila is approaching garrett at the counter and she lets garrett know that jt is also interested in poetry and sydney immediately chimes in seems to be an outbreak of poetry in swan's crossing you should all get tested for rhyme disease (laughs) lol i love how delighted sydney is by this turn of events she's like it's so good it really is it's truly it's truly delicious how how much maniacal glee she takes in this uh this news garrett tries to get mila off to owens to talk about the music video but before they can go Mila turns back and says to JT that she's really glad they got to spend some time together. Watching Garrett's face behind Mila as she says this. Oh, he looks like he swallowed a fly. He look, yeah, and he definitely gonna kill JT. Oh, for sure. (laughs) Yeah. After they're gone, Sydney asks JT about the birth certificate and JT says it could take a couple of weeks to arrive. And Sydney wants the records to show up before the concert. Can we, just before we move on, uh, after Garrett and Mila leave, Glory says, oh, it's 10 o'clock. I promised I would call my parents and tell them where I was, which is the weirdest way possible to get her out of this scene. Like, I, I don't know why the writers felt like they couldn't, like, just have Glory at this scene, but they obviously felt like it just needed to be Mila or Sydney and JT. And so they invent this terrible way to get Glory off camera. Right, they could have had her go to the bathroom or go to order a drink or something, you know, but I'm going to call my parents, it's 10. Yep. Well, when JT can't promise that the birth certificate will show up in time for the concert, Sydney stares and we get the pensive piano theme. We cut back to the Walker estate where the... The teens are passing an apple around, eating one bite from it at a time. Sasha's trying to be all serious and on guard, but Jimmy and Callie are trying to get romantic and hold hands and shit. Yeah, it's... And Saja eventually picks up on the fact that he is the third wheel. Yeah. First he tries to tell them to get serious because Barrack is dangerous, and then he conveniently recaps all the parts of the Barrack mystery for us. And, uh... Callie reveals that they have found one new piece of evidence, a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles band-aid. Saja says that it's not his, and Jimmy protests that TMNT is is kind of up Saja's alley. Jimmy then recounts the story of how Callie's crazy grandpa allegedly died by burning down his own house, and on that romantic note, he and Callie try to hold hands again. Saja, as this is happening, Saja's getting more uncomfortable, and then recommends that we should split forces. I'll go back to the tool and die to see if Barrick ever returned. And Jimmy and Callie are all about this solution. <laughs> oh yeah, they are immediately like, great idea, you get out of here. <laughs> and, and then as he's packing his stuff, like, I don't think Saja fully anticipated that turn of events. Because his line is, I'll, I'll just uh, go, I guess. <laughs> and he starts up as Callie and Jimmy are just staring at each other. Oh my god, yeah, so finally Saja takes off and we cut to Owen's studio where Sandy is considering the weird shitty video with the music and she thinks maybe it might work. (laughs) She doesn't seem thrilled. Garrett shows up demanding the best music video of their lives and saying he's going to be keeping an eye on things. 
which Sandy seems to welcome at first, wanting someone else to be able to prevent provide an objective eye to Owen's directorial choices. But then Mila shows up. Yeah, oh God. Garrett's with her too, and um he decides that they need to give Mila a great look over a great look over a great makeover for a new look that will knock the socks off michael jackson and on that note sandy looks alarmed we uh cut to commercial we come back to them trying to figure out which song they'll sing mila and owen start to get excited about polka dot pink and while sandy does not like this song mila does offer to sing back up to sandy singing it so sandy agrees and then garrett just takes charge Garrett, he does. They all start coming up with different ideas for how they can make this music video work using Vision and Polka Dot Pink, but whenever Sandy pitches any kind of an idea, Garrett just like immediately shoots it down. So, feeling dejected, she leaves as they all remained. The, the, the other three just sort of remain there jazzed about the creative process, and we cut back to Jimmy and Callie. It's 10.30 and Callie has a half hour before she has to be back. Oh, I see. This is what you were talking about. Yeah. So no one planned to stay overnight, obviously. Everyone has a curfew. They got to be home by then. Like what? Why the sleeping bags? (laughs) Well, do you suggest they fill that half hour by talking? (laughs) And then they run through a, a list of conversation topics while inching slowly closer to each other. And then Jimmy suggests they go be hunting. Yeah, in his pants is my guess. Yeah, I'm, I'm convinced that means something entirely different in this context. <laughs> they lean in to smooch, and we see someone or something lurking in the shadowy trees behind them. Oh, it's the ninja again. It's still the ninja. Yeah. There's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of adults watching teenagers do private things in this show. Yep, it's creepy. Yeah. It's creepy. Meanwhile, somewhere on a street in Swan's Crossing, Sanja's walking around looking very bummed out with all his camping stuff under his arm, and Sandy comes around the corner. Also looking bummed out. Yes, but they start talking, and they begin bonding over feeling like outcasts, and Sanja suggests he could make the dark a little lighter and walk Sandy home. And she lights up because apparently this is a line she's been thinking of for her her new song, and she gets inspired. Yes. And and Sanja literally says, I'm glad to be the vessel through which the light of your inspiration can shine. And Saja walks Sandy home. They both seem very happy about it. And we're kind of setting up, I think, a cute little romance between Saja and Sandy in the next season that we never got. We cut back over to Jimmy and Callie. It's really unclear whether they have just smooched or if we're cutting in before the smooch. And Jimmy hears something. They turn away from each other, peering into the underbrush decide to investigate, run into the trees. The camera tilts down on the statue head from earlier, covered in moss. Roll credits. Yes, but before we move on, I have to point out, we the sound that they hear is the sound of a camera shutter. So the ninja is taking pictures of these two children kissing each other. That's fucking gross. <laughs> so gross. What the fuck? Oh my gosh. So, um... Who was our psychopath of the week? I mean, I'm actually, I'm kind of going with the ninja on this one because why is he spying on these kids? I 100% agree with that assertion. Garrett doesn't do anything nearly like psychotic enough to warrant psychopath of the week this week. Yeah, and even Owen was pretty chill. What's our swan count? Uh, Swan count was two new fake swans, 
which brings our uh, total coup to seven imaginary swans, 24 actual swans, and 153 other swans. Nice. I'm going to mute my mic and you lay your predictions on me. All right. My first prediction is that Sandy, no, not Sandy, uh, Callie and Jimmy finally find the snake pit next episode. Uh, Saja and Sandy either aren't in the nep- next episode at all, or they're starting to get their little little romance going. Garrett gets sick of wor- working with Owen very quickly and tries to get them out of there so he can make out with Mila. JT and Mila have another scene connecting about poetry, and uh, I think Gloria's not present at the beginning, but she like walks in and finds them talking about poetry together without her there. Gets even more nervous. I think we still don't get the birth records and nothing happens with Sydney contacting Billy Gunn. That's what I think happens. Okay, well, the next episode will be the penultimate episode of season one and of all of Swan's Crossing, so it's sure to be exciting or maybe not exciting at all. Well, technically it is the the episode before our penultimate episode because we are doing the recap episode. Yes, but it's the penultimate episode of the show itself. Yes. The TV show, not this show. I'm confused. (laughs) So uh, do remember to send in your questions to us for the big finale episode where we recap our recap. Yeah, but just do that on Instagram because seriously, today is December 16th and Twitter is full on imploding. So just ignore Twitter. Just hit us up on Instagram at Swans Cross Pod. Thank you to Richard Winsler and Steve Lane for the use of our theme song, Gotta Grow Up Sometime, from the hit show Swans Crossing. And until we meet again, friends, please do not take pictures of teenagers making out, please. (laughs) (laughs) Bye. Bye. Maybe we should, uh, we should split our forces, you know? I mean, cover more ground. I guess I could go back to the tool and die and see if Barrack ever showed up. Yeah, great idea. That's a good idea. Mm